podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Can you do me a couple of ones in a change? Yeah. Fag machine takes once, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Hey, whoa, 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 don't do that. No point doing that. Give him the tenner back, right? You give him the fiver and the fifty, right? Give him that back. So you take that and you just give him the free ones. Right? Give him the free ones, that's it. Now you give him 30, right? You give him the 10 bob back, and you owe him, if I'm right, 22 pence. <laughs> that's wrong, isn't it? Back by popular demand, Simon Day and Friends Lockdown Show 2, Saturday, July the 4th, 8.30pm. Go to biletto.co.uk, search Simon Day and Friends. Tickets, only £5. Show will be shown on Facebook. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams. Niche nonsense. Or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Hello and welcome to Stop Hammer Time. My name is Phil Whelans. Uh, with me, as always, it's Jim Grant. How are you, Good Jim? Good evening. All Excellent. Right. Everything all right with you in lockdown? Yeah, uh, yeah okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Fair have you Have you found a family to be your support bubble? Um, I, I feel as though I'm my own bubble in, in, in right. more ways than one. You are an island, uh, like uh, in, the, in the sense that no man is one, but you are. Well, I am. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say you're Guernsey or, or the Isle of Wight? Um, I think I'm probably, uh, I'm probably more Sark. Oh, I'm Sark, very, that's nice. Yeah, very old-fashioned. Old that's nice, that's nice. Yeah. Also joining us this week is the author of the best blog about West Ham United. Uh, you already know who it is because uh, there is only one person that writes that blog. And it is, of course, the H-List blog, which is written by Mr. James Cairns. Hi, James. Uh, hey, Phil. Thank you for having me. Things all right with you? Uh, yeah, OK. I had a bout, actually, with coronavirus very early in um, uh, kind of almost before it was fashionable. Oh, that's um, right. We've been in contact about that. I remember you saying that. Yeah. How did that yeah. all turn out? Was that... Uh, well, I had three weeks in bed. Um, oh, right. Uh, yeah, so, but, but to be honest with you, pretty moderate, actually, because I, well, I never needed to go into hospital, so ah. I never made its way to my chest. So I'm very grateful and actually, um, you know, my and kind of one of the things I suppose that informs my complete lack of preparedness for tonight is yeah, that yeah. Um, I, I thought football, there's no way they'll bring football back because if no, I can no, be floored for three weeks with this thing, how can you get high-class professional athletes playing and it put them at risk of this? So I guess um, uh, doing your job and segueing into it, it just seems like it's a bit odd that we're talking about football. It, it does, this yeah, thing yeah. Is still right. yeah. Now, yeah. during these uh, three months of lockdown, I have, uh, uh, in tribute to Jack Wilshire, I've torn my meniscus. <laughs> which as you know is a latin word for scrotum but i have no i have in fact torn my meniscus in my knee uh because the gymnasiums were all closed i took up jogging uh did i say this last week on our marathon no program? no oh, no no i um so i've 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 been out i've had an x-ray and an mri i've been yeah. out in the world amongst people having medical things done to me are you on, are you on crutches no, no, it's um, 
uh, basically because the gyms were shut, uh, myself and a friend just started jogging up this disused railway line called the Parkland Walk where I live. A really nice jog. We jogged for quite a long way, but not very fast. And uh, But slowly this began to wreak catastrophic damage on my knee, unbeknownst to me, which ended up basically with, you know, uh, a very unhappy knee. Right. So I sort of rang my GP and they went, um, well, you know, where it's completely empty at the moment is A&E's. Just why don't you just go yeah. to one? You know? right. So I went to um, University College Hospital, which just turned up there. And it was absolutely true. I mean, I was seen in about a minute and had an X-ray, I would say, within 10 minutes of walking in the door. It was extraordinary. Wow. Extraordinary. And then they went, oh, yeah, it looks like you need an MRI. There's no bone problem, which is all right. So, you know, um, so, you know, go home and we'll send you an appointment. And I'm like, oh, my post is really bad. And I know oh, no, we'll text you as well. Uh, and I had an MRI two days later. Oh, great. It's great. Well, it's like 28 days later. <laughs> I don't want to cast aspersions on your footballing ability, Phil, but this may be the nearest you ever come to being a West Ham player and tearing your yeah. discus on <laughs> <summer> holidays. <laughs> Well instead, of, in, instead of players' names on the back of uh, a, a replica shirt, I'm now in tribute to my favourite players getting the injuries that they get. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm looking forward to the day you get tight calves, then. It's a tribute to his one-time favourite player, Benny McCarthy, isn't it, Jim? <laughs> um, yeah, also during lockdown, uh, possibly uh, influenced by Dominic Cummings, my eyesight has got slightly worse. Has it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm sort of, I really sort of need reading glasses now. And uh, I was sort of all right before that. So, have you, uh, so, have you yeah. not been driving enough, Phil? No, maybe I should be driving. Yeah. I have, yeah, yeah, maybe just a good long drive will sort me out. Yeah. Yes. So, um, yeah, as we've touched upon, uh, this is quite an extraordinary stop hammer time in lockdown because on Saturday, West Ham are going to begin playing a form of football again. And uh, that's quite interesting, isn't it? I mean, this sort of little nine-match mini-tournament under other circumstances would be kind of brilliant. But uh, it's actually quite weird and the games are going to be odd, aren't they? You know? Yeah, I think it's going to be very strange. Behind closed doors, you know. Yeah. But I think it'll be tense. I mean, I think we, you know, we, we, I have uh, conveniently forgotten that we are right in a relegation battle that is about mm. to recommence. And it's quite a serious yeah. one, I think. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, um, yes, I mean, certainly kind of, I'd say around Christmas and stuff, we were, we were, we were saying relegation looks more you know more on than off you know and uh, i think that still is the case um you know the the uh, i think i was talking to sam delaney and i think we more or less said simultaneously there's going to be some mad results in yeah. this sort of and i i sort of i sort of wonder whether that's true I think we said that because we thought they'll all be like training games. The players, without without a crowd there, the players just won't be able to get it up to sort of put in a good performance. And like often training games, you hear about training games often being quite high scoring because no one wants to put in any tackles and stuff like that. But on the other hand, 
the thing about good footballers and talented footballers is not necessarily their skill and flair. It's that they do work really hard. And it's quite possible that, you know, the top four to six teams will just keep beating anyone in their path because they're better and they're better because they have better players who are going to sort of work hard. I don't know how true that is. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think there are probably two sort of major um, sort of differences to the playing conditions that are, that, um, uh, are likely to affect results and skew things slightly. Uh, one obviously is the, is the, the, the lack of um, supporters and the evidence coming out of Germany, which kind of started a few weeks ago, is that it's made a real difference to home advantage. So home advantage won't be... Um, as, as as much a factor in play, you know, and the number of yellow cards being given to away teams vis-a-vis home teams has has really levelled out in the Bundesliga. No, that's um, interesting. And the other the other one I think is this substitute business, because um, that's going to, and I think one or two of the of the clubs in the relegation fight, um, and also I think Sheffield United as well, who are obviously challenging for Europe. Um, I think did vote against it um, because obviously the bigger and better your squad, the more of it you can now put on, put on the pitch, especially as, you know, it might, might be hot for a lot of these games. Yeah. Uh, you can only have three substitute breaks. So you can't, you can't stop the game five times for substitutions, but you can put five on the pitch. So you can rotate half your outfield team. Interesting. Uh, yeah. And I've been thinking that might We've got this kind of weird thing of having a more or less entirely fit squad. That's a bit unusual for us, isn't it? And when they are all entirely fit, if they're playing to their capacity, we've got quite a good sort of front front six in the squad, haven't we? Yes. And and it might be, you know, to our advantage that we can we can overcome the fact that we we tend to lack a bit of legs in midfield. We might be able to kind of. um, Rotate and, and and use that to our advantage a bit if he if he's shrewd with it, you know. Yeah, yeah. You think that would help us, right? Because we're wildly top heavy, aren't we? So like, yeah. the, is what you were saying. Exactly. That you know, you know, if you look at any any system you come out with, it's very difficult, for instance, to get both Alair and Antonio in. But maybe if you say, you know, you're you're going to, as you say, you're going to be able to rotate because uh, games are going to come quickly actually anyway, aren't they? So there's, I think, yeah. squad rotation will be quite important. Um, But I completely agree with you about the subs. Uh, I think also it does offer an opportunity for um, basically shrewder managers or or perhaps more forward-thinking managers to make changes earlier in games as well. So I think if you're 15 minutes in and being murdered, you know, conventional thinking says, well, you've just got to struggle through to half-time and get on on with it and yell at them then and sort things out. Actually, now a manager might just say, this isn't working, I've got to change it. You pull somebody off after 20 minutes. And then you can, because you've got these extra two subs to play with, yeah. you can always kind of go back to that when you've got a foothold in the game. And I think given the lack of home advantage, because I also agree with you, Jim, on that, uh, that could be really interesting. Could, tactically, it could be quite interesting, but, yeah. but, but possibly yeah. terrifying for us. But very little time in which to kind of work out what your, what your basic tactics are. <clears throat> Well, he was. Um, it's interesting. I mean, it, you know, if 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 the West Ham that comes out is uh, anything like the one that sort of finished before the the break, it was very attacking. I think, um, you know, we were playing with uh, Alaire, Antonio, and Bowen up front with um, 
um, four nails behind them. And so you essentially have four attacking players on the pitch. And I, I think, you know, by virtue of keeping the other team occupied, I know we lost both of those games against Liverpool and Arsenal, but um, they, they were good performances and we gave, we gave both teams something to think about in those games. And uh, both teams were very lucky to come out with those victories, you know. Yeah. Um, and and I hope he I hope he keeps that going. I mean, I think sort of you know, West Ham just traditionally is not very good at cagey, are we? No, no, quite right. I think I think we've got to go for it to a certain extent, um, yeah. especially as you know. Well, we've got a difficult first match coming up, haven't we? Um, one or two difficult ones, but also some some ones that you would have you know put the the dreaded tag winnable on as well. So I think we've got to we've got to go. Balls out to, to to win these games, and then and the players you mentioned there, you then you then you you got on the bench now a, a fit Yarmolenko, Anderson, uh, Wilshire. Um, you know you've got some you've got some sort of players in in that rotation as James Lanzini now. Lanzini, mm-hmm. you know that that's you know you've got some options there. Um, I think I think he'll do that. I think I'm sure he will do that, and I I think probably he'll have. Um, I think he might have Rice and Suchet to kind of shore it up in the middle. Then you can afford to have a Lanzini or a, or a, a Fornals or a, or a Wilshire in front in front of them, and then uh, Bowen. I think you know has staked a claim, hasn't he? In those in those, oh, in those few performances, yeah. you're not going to leave him out. Antonio has been probably our player of the season, um, and Haller is certainly I mean, probably going to start. So um, the only the only other thought you'd have is that he might want. Um, I think Snodgrass will get a lot of game time because of because of the set pieces. So many, so many of our, our sort of threatening moments this season have come from his set pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the, the the break came at a bad time for us, Phil. I, I feel because we were we were about to play Wolves, weren't we? And that and that game was going yeah. to be sandwiched between, I think, two. UEFA or uh, UEFA League game, sorry, and I think yeah. well, at least one of them involved like a massive trip somewhere out to to um, Eastern Europe, and then we were going to play Spurs very long or not very long afterwards, and they wouldn't have had either Kane or Son available. So that I think is quite frustrating. It'll be, it will be interesting to see whether actually Moyes is, has been able to regroup and kind of get the pre-season type preparation into his players that yeah. he wanted or actually if it backfires in what it means is we're going to play teams who we might otherwise have been a bit more level with now actually they'll just be flying because they'll have got players back fit and they'll be yeah. uh, you know kind of we, basically, well basically we don't we never really start the season very well so it is a start of the season isn't it you know you wonder whether he'll actually have time he's not going to have time to sort of Experiment and find out what his best starting eleven is. He, he, let's hope he knows that. Um, well, the first three games are Wolves, Spurs, and Chelsea, and that's not enviable, is it? It's not enviable. I'll be amazed no. if we're in the bottom three after those games, and then then it's going to, then it's down to six six games to save the season, isn't it? Yeah, and those are Newcastle, Burnley, Norwich, Watford, Man U, and Villa. So. Yeah. Yeah. There are on paper winnable games in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I sort of, I mean, it, it has been a, it, it, I mean, it, it, 
it'll have been a huge boon, I imagine, for Bournemouth, who must, um, they were absolutely, you know, torn apart with injuries, weren't they? So they'll presumably uh, some players back. I don't know if some of their players have massive long-term injuries, but, um, you know, they're, they're in trouble, but will be better equipped to get out of it, I would have thought, after this break than they were before. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to be hard. But I am... Um, <coughs> I, th- I think having Yarm, I, I, I've sort of, sort of got quite, quite a lot of hopes riding on Yarmolenko. I have to say, I like Yarmolenko for a start, and I think he, um, I think he, he, he was sort of played up the middle for uh, the Ukraine, so he's an option instead of Alaire. If, if you know the enigma that is, uh, Alaire isn't feeling it. I, I would sort of play him in a front three, you know, with Bowen and Antonio. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure he's a Moyes player, though. I, I, he doesn't strike me as being much of a Moyes-type player. I think Moyes likes harder workers than Yarmolenko, and possibly I think he's he's decided he needs pace, right, which is, I think, why Bowen and Antonio have been, mm. been favourites. So, yeah. yeah. But maybe this is where the five-subs thing comes in, you know, that you can yeah. rotate. Because you're right, I mean, you, you could pick an entire kind of front five of, like, Anderson, Yarmolenko, probably Ale, Lanzini... Um, maybe Snodgrass, let's say, none of them would start the first game. Yeah, yeah. might very well play yeah. against Spurs on the Tuesday. So I think we'll yeah. see quite a lot of rotation there. Yeah. I mean, I think the two, you know, the two purchases, the two winter uh, transfer window signings are players, both players, they're the right sort of players for us to have bought at that time. And I hope that they're two of the players that can help get us out of this mess. You know, I think Bowen, just from the amount we've seen of him, uh, looks like um, it said on the tin, you know, unlike Simone Zaza or Jonathan Cagliari, yeah, you know, absolutely. he he appeared to be the thing we intended to purchase. Well, <laughs> it, it, it is that ideal thing of a, of a, of a player who's, who's on form, you know, got a proven record in the league he's in with a, who's had a bit of a taste of Premier League football and what's more of it, you know, it, it, you know, it, in his view, we're we're his stepping stone club if he's going to really make it as a top level player, and, yeah. And therefore, he's going to he's going to be desperate to do well. And and I like him. I think I like his attitude. I like you know, everything about him, really. Yeah. Um, uh, I think sort of Suchek, Suchek, you know, a, a player with a completely injury free career record, <laughs> um, uh, started that game at Anfield really really well I mean he was bossing mm. it in midfield because um, he's you know obviously his first his first uh, couple of games he was adjusting but and then he got that injury um, it's uh, crazy isn't it yeah but so I think a really fully fit and firing Suchek is, 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 a, is, a, is a big player potentially extra height at set pieces and in defence breaks play up but he's got an, you know he's got a kind of eye for goal as well so yeah, I mean, I think he'll be he'll be a big feature. I think. Well, we, I mean, if we if we think about what it was that got us into sort of such trouble in the first place, I sort of slightly wiped it from my memory again. Again, not having really thought about football for three months, I kind of can't remember. But uh, 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 I think we were still having the sort of porous midfield problems that we had under Slaven Bilic with yeah. Pellegrini. I think that was a big, you know, our back four or whatever configuration we have, four or five, we're just getting no protection from a midfield that's not keeping the opposition occupied enough, you know. Um, so. 
I think d- disastrous signing of, of 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 second goalkeeper. And, you know, yeah, uh, really has really made a factor. I think if we've had a fit and firing Fabianski all season, we wouldn't be in the position we're in now. Do you? Um, That's interesting. I, I think it made it. I think the goalkeeping just made a difference to it's 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 so important. I think somebody mentioned it on a previous podcast. You know about McCloskey when we were discussing all those errors that McCloskey makes on those videos that um, yeah put up. And um, you know we were sort of saying, well, we don't remember. We loved him. We thought he was really really good. And and um, he, he sort of said, well, he was playing in front of some playing behind rather a kind of rather shaky defence at times. Um, and it works the other way around, doesn't it? That, that, that a defence with a goalkeeper behind it that knows, you know, they communicate well, they've got confidence in him. It makes an enormous difference. And I really feel, you know, communication with, with Roberto and kind of, you know, whether he was going to come for the ball or not, whatever. Yeah. Plus the fact he had those errors in him. You know, we, we, we just look so ragged in defence, really. And, and, you know, players who look quite good form disappearing, like Balbuena. You know, what, what happens to him? Yeah. Yeah, and Diop as well. Diop was up and down, wasn't he? Yeah. But that's, you know, the other thing was was at the other end of the pitch, wasn't it? It was like this sort of four-five-one. You know, they all did it really. Bilic did it, and Allardyce saw it. You you, you kind of fear that you're not going to score enough goals because there's like a large man on his own jogging around to keep warm with no connection to the midfield. And sure enough, that happened. You're going. Surely the manager must see this. And it felt like, with those last few games, almost the sort of balls out, you know, four clearly attacking players uh, at that top end of the pitch felt like something was happening. Allaire looked better, didn't he, I thought, with people closer to him. Yeah, and that's clearly, you know, that's his game, isn't it? You know, he's because he's tall, you, you end up thinking, oh, he's a target. Man. But it's not really like that. That's not his game, is it? And, no. and he relies on people kind of, Move, movement and people playing off him and running past him, um, yeah. and he's good with his good with his feet, you know. So it it's seems slightly. Always slightly, but sorry, Jim. It was always slightly baffling to me that we bought Allaire uh, and we took him from a system at Frankfurt where he played kind of four three three effectively, and they had uh, I think Jovic and Rebic were the two up front alongside him, and they they played in a very um, it was a very attacking way, but there was, it was a kind of clearly structured way of playing that, that brought the best out of Allaire. And then we brought him to, to, to England and didn't play that way. And we didn't no. have those players. And I feel like one of the reasons he brought Bowen and why Bowen will be so important is I think they brought him with a view to trying to replicate some of that with, um, yeah. with Allaire. And, and whether it's, um, you know, Anderson or um, uh, Antonio who kind of gets up and plays the third striker, hard to know. But, because Moyes obviously likes and he wants defensive solidity, but I think he's realised that you have to get players close to Allaire in order for him yeah. to be as, as effective as he was in Germany. And we shouldn't forget, I mean, he was one of the best strikers in Europe. I mean, when, when we signed him, I couldn't believe it. I, I mean, I genuinely could not believe that we would get a player that good. And to me, it was an astonishing signing. Um, yeah. And then, then in a kind of astonishing management to, to somehow break him. In, yeah. you, know, yeah. um, you could see his shoulders sort of slump more with each game, couldn't you? He, he was yeah. very frustrating for him. So I, I suspect, yeah, he is a bit of an enigma, but I suspect we haven't, we haven't seen the best of him. And, and hopefully, you know, he, he could, he could be crucial. He could, if he gets a couple of goals in, in, in some of these early games, uh, he could end on a flourish and he could, he could be a really important player for us next season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he 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 
he did struggle a bit with the service from his strike partner when that strike partner was Antonio. You know, there were crosses that were behind him, times when it should be squared to him, things he saw that Antonio didn't see. Hopefully, maybe Bowen uh, will help to alleviate that a little bit. You know, I did feel a little, you know, it's just not Antonio's game, really. Um and, and and in in those games, we we you know the Arsenal game, there were there were chances we had to not only sort of equalise but to win that game. We sort of spurned some chances in front of goal, which we just can't do. And um, you know, sort of better quality of firepower up front, people that can really finish, you know, might convert a few more of those chances because. I felt like, you know, at Liverpool as well, you know, we, we, we sort of had chances to get goals in that game and the finishing let us down a little bit. Uh, yeah, maybe. That's um, definitely true at Arsenal. That it was harder to lose that game. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You've got to put one or two of those away. I mean, we, we you know, we did well in the first half of that game, didn't we? I mean, I think we sort of shaded that. Again, it's slightly gone in, it's gone away from my memory, but I think so, I seem to remember that when when did they score the sort of fiftieth minute or something? And, and we finished very strongly after that. We were really yeah. back on the door, you know. Yeah, I think a big factor in the sort of uh, reason why we struggled in the first, you know, well, most of the season has also been the fact that creative players, you know, the, the creative players who should be create, you know, making the chances. All had problems, you know, had problems all of them. Permanent injury for Wilshire, Lanzini's yeah. form falling off a cliff, and uh, and Anderson too. You know, Anderson yeah. just, uh, just a kind of just drifting in and out of games, not really kind of you know um, getting getting on the ball a lot, and then not really doing anything. You know, um, that made a big difference. You know, because you'd expect players of that quality to. To make chances in a way that they weren't, which is and and for now struggling to adjust to England in the English game apparently. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He he started. I thought he was in that last in that Southampton game. He was great. I thought for now, you know, like, yeah. there was a lot of focus on um, Bowen, but uh, I thought he he started to kind of kind of look like the kind of player we hoped he was gonna he's gonna be. Yeah, and he made a couple of the goals, didn't he? Um, yeah. And I mean, he. Yeah. You know, in a sense, he's the less he has the less flair out of uh, Lanzini, Anderson, and Fornells, but seemed to actually just at least carve out a role for himself, which is in fact a little bit more hardworking and a bit more vanilla than a, a sort of fancy Dan uh, Zerati type. But the, the the you know Felipe Anderson was just such a car crash. I mean, I just don't know what he's. Yeah, I, I, I was I was all up for selling him in the winter. I was like, if we can get some money for him, we should just get rid of him. It's clearly just unhappy, or you know, needs. Uh, yeah, something. I wonder if they might do that anyway. Um, but, you know, we obviously I don't know how transfer windows are going to pan out, but you no. really said that he, yeah, he was that had it had the feel of someone on the way out of the club, didn't it? Really? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the interesting thing. He, he's young enough to still be sold, though, right? Which is, which is at least something. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, and and this this is why you try and buy players when they're twenty five, and if two years later they're not quite fitting in, or you know, more likely as it will be here that you've got a new manager who 
to be honest, Moyes, you know, Anderson never didn't really feel like a Moyes type player, to be honest. I actually think Moyes, um, I actually think Anderson's probably pretty effective when deployed in a certain role, but I just, I'm not sure we're ever going to do that. Uh, but you could still see selling him and getting your money back, which is, yeah. you know, again, to repeat the point, that's why you buy players at 25 and not 30, which has been our was, um, Achilles heel for years. Yeah, he was more central, wasn't he, at Lazio? Um, he wasn't, I mean, we've sort of tended to see him as a winger, but I think he's played more as a kind of, played um, It's a lot of, at least some of his career, with a, with a more kind of free central role. Yeah, and he's only done that for us a bit, isn't he? Not very often. A few, and he's looked quite good when he's done it, really. He did that in that game against Arsenal when when we took the lead, when um, last, you know, previous season, where Arnautovic scored early on. And he he was really good in that game, I thought, in that kind of more free role. I mean, I think there are players that, you know, you 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 get them and you you just give them the ball. And I think everyone in the team sort of understands that we should just give the ball to them. It's like, obviously like that with Di Canio. And yeah. uh, to a degree, it was like that with Pae. You know, um, I was never actually gave much thought to where Pae's actual position on a sort of diagram of a football team was really he just seemed to be in the middle of the park with a bit of a free reign you know yeah he was nominally sort of wide left wasn't he we'd go, we'd go yeah. Wanted. yeah absolutely yeah and Dicanio was often sort of like you know had had a sort of you know a, a roving portfolio didn't he, he could just go anywhere he wanted you know yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I and I sort of felt you know, that's kind of what Anderson should be, but he's a slightly, he's a bit of an introvert. I don't think he demands the ball and I don't think he... Um, yes, yeah. Um, I'd say as well, from, from a tactical... Sorry, uh, Jim, I think from a tactical perspective, I think if you're going to have players like that who aren't particularly sort of that disciplined from a positional sense and you're going to give them like a free role, you probably have to have some kind of construct to your system which allows those players to be covered. So I would say, you know, if you've got a player, as you say, feel like Pyatt is at wide left, which is where we've stuck Anderson, you think your two fullbacks need to be very fit and quick and able to get up and down all day because they might not have players in front of them. And you yeah. probably need very mobile players in the middle of the pitch as well in central midfield. And if you think about it, you know, where we, Noble's got lots of qualities, but he can't cover the ground that Suchet can. Zabaleta obviously has played a lot this year, um, or in the last couple of years anyway, at least. Is declining physically. Cresswell to me has declined a little bit in terms of what he can do physically as yes. well. So I, I just wonder if they're going to have those sorts of players. I think you've got to rebuild elsewhere in the team as well to allow for that. Otherwise, it just well, I think you end up fourth and bottom, which is <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And I think that's it. I think it's all well, we do have that. We do have that sort of um, very unbalanced team, as you say, sort of top heavy with quite a few essentially just sort of number tens. And, um, you know, that serially happens in history, that the, sort of the, the formations that a number 10 would sort of fit into um, become outdated and there isn't really scope for a kind of someone who's got a free role behind the players. So I remember, you know, again, we were talking about the Harry years last week and it was when we bought Mark Vivian Foe, despite already having uh, Steve Lomas and Frank Lampard, the player that's quite often gave way was Ial Berkovic. You know, especially yeah. since he just bought Di Canio. So Di Canio then had this role that was a little bit number 10 and a little bit forward. 
So they were going, well, he can sort of do Berkovich's job. But in fact, when you look at the footage, um, time their time there together, they sort of they work they work very well together because they're both very intelligent players. But I think you know. Uh, the, the times that they did actually work together were fairly limited. And uh, similarly, Joe Cole, you know, Joe Cole, his ideal position is a sort of number 10, but both for England and for Chelsea, there were other players in that part of the park and they didn't really have that anyway. He didn't really have a number 10. We've got, you know, arguably four, five number 10s in the team. <laughs> yeah. I'd class Noble as a sort of number 10, you know. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Well, I think I would like us to move away, though, from that um, uh, kind of set up whereby we've got one player who dominates the team I thought it was you know I, I don't rate the cameo in the same way as lots of other West Ham fans do because you know the fact he never played away from home and the fact that he was so um, domineering over the team actually to my mind negatively impacted other players and negatively impacted the team and I don't think Payet was the same kind of character but you saw that when Payet left we looked bereft didn't we and, yes. and when he kind of lost interest we looked bereft and I kind of what, what I would like Moyes to build is a team that functions in a certain way and has a kind of quite structured way of playing, which means that if one of your better players is injured, it doesn't matter that much because someone else comes in and can do the same job, maybe to a slightly lesser, slightly lesser ability, but not all of your attacking threat is coming through one player or one way of scoring. And I think we've been a bit like that. I felt like Arnie at times was like our only hope and then Pyatt and the cameo. And I feel like it's been a while since we've had a team that you looked at and thought, yeah, more than the sum of its parts. I think, I think that's a factor, isn't it? Of, of, being where we are in the kind of football hierarchy and and the, and the expectations of fans who want big name signings, so we do. But but the thing is, we can't afford. So we can buy a forty five million pound player, but that's the kind of money that um, a Manchester City spend on on their reserve right back, you know. Yeah. And they can afford. There are clubs that can afford. We're competing with clubs that can afford to spend tens of millions on squad players, you know, and, and therefore, absolutely, when their superstars are out, are out of action, oh, the person who comes in would walk into our first team, you know. And yeah. I, I think that's one of the, you know, issues with the league we're in, isn't it? And, it, and, it, and, it's, and, it's, and it's sort of, <clears throat> it's unevenness. It's, that, that struck me, really, watching those videos and things going back 20, 30 years, you know, that, that disparity between the day-to-day quality of the top teams. You know, they had the star players, but also players where you thought, oh, well, you could get at him. He won't necessarily, you know. Mm. And you knew you'd have those odd days where 
you just kind of, you know, you'd be on song and you'd outplay them or something. But they just have, they just have relentless <laughs> depths of, of, of quality, don't they now? I think, you know, the other thing is that sort of, you know, teams, not necessarily the teams at the top, but teams that just have good seasons quite often have one or two players that are playing out of their skin. It doesn't matter if they're not very good players, they are just playing extremely well, you know. Um, and we... For a couple of seasons now, have been populated with players who are underperforming. You know, there's, you know, it's like when City won the league a couple of years ago. The already extremely good Kevin De Bruyne and David Silva were playing like their best versions. Having been at the club for ten years, they're they're still having a better season than. The last season, we have players that their form just falls away slowly and slowly over the years, or players that just arrive and don't play to anything like their capability. And I, I think that's probably, you know, happening in teams that aren't just, you know, Manchester City and Liverpool. Obviously, you know, like Leicester when they won the title, essentially Kante was often playing like a one-man team, and Vardy was just finding net, you know, with absolute ease. We, for a couple of years now, have had a set of players that play worse than they're capable of playing. Yeah. That's, yeah. And that's sort of, you know, that's sort of why you have to hold out a little bit of hope for Bowen, who might just, you know, want to prove a, prove a point to, you know, people watching. And Suchek, who would just be used to being, you know, a kind of... Um, a, a Czech international who played at quite a high level, but is still young, fit, capable, and not too intimidated by the, you know, by being on match of the day every week or whatever, you know, uh, is, isn't too kind of sort of psychologically damaged, uh, you know, like sort of Matthew Jarvis or someone. Or yes, I think not, not not to keep banging the same drum field, but I think. Um, you know, Jim mentioned it earlier, you know, we're a stepping stone for Bowen. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, be the stepping stone move. Don't be the one that they take after they've, they've left their top yeah. club. You know, yeah, and don't, be the, don't be the step down, be the step up. And I think we've, for far too long, and I know I, I feel like I say this every time I come on the pod, so I apologise because I'm a broken record. But, you know, you buy players in their 30, they can only decline. And, yeah. I, you know, I, I think... Partly that's down to the fact that I think Sullivan is incredibly short-termist because he's looking to sell in, in, in the medium term. But I think also it requires a sort of infrastructure and a vision that we've never really had. And the thing that encourages me a lot, actually, about buying Bowen and, and hopefully getting Suchek as well if we stay up is a, is a change. And, I, and again, I, I think I might be in the minority, but I, I kind of, I'm fine with Moyes because I do think he's got a vision around this stuff. That yeah, somebody like Pellegrini didn't have, you know, Pellegrini ever thought he was in it for more than a couple of years, so he would just sort of, you know, I don't think, I don't think he had that vision. Whereas I do feel like like Moyes is, if he stays well, up, going to make well, big changes. I mean, with Pellegrini, and it, in a sense, what you're saying about players applies to him, doesn't it? If we'd have had Pellegrini when he was younger and and did build football clubs, you know, yes, uh, yeah. that 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 you know, we didn't get that version of him, did we? Because He'd already basically gone to retire, in and suddenly there was yeah. a big, pay, high-profile payday on offer in the Premier League. And so, you know, but yeah, in the end, yeah, very true. You know, he wasn't going to do that the job that everyone kind of imagined when when we when we uh, heard we signed him. You know, got him. Um, 
thought he would do. And I agree with you about Moyes. I think Moyes is a kind of methodical, um, you know, shrewd. He's, you know, he's he's the, Everton is a very very kind of similar club to us. I've always thought they're they're mm. they're they, and you know, he 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 got Everton on a regular, having been yeah taking them over when they were um, looking like they might crash out of the league. <clears throat> they stuck with him and. Uh, you know, he he got them competing regularly for European places, didn't he? So you'd, you'd hope that that he, he's got a vision of of how to exactly to build to build the club. You know, in that in the way you're describing, he's going to have to re reconstruct the defence though over the next season or two, isn't he? You feel? And I think that's yeah. we haven't talked about that yet, but I mean that's my worry is you know we might we might play some nice football in these games coming up, but I. I do worry that we're leaky at the back still. Um, is is Fredericks fit, and is he going to play? Well, who knows? I mean, he's he's in the he's in the bits of video of them, you know, uh, washing their hands and running around in a in rush green. So you imagine did, he's fit. Did he if he's not fit after three months of doing nothing, he surely must surely be uh, a permanently injured footballer. <laughs> Well, he was looking all right until he got injured again, wasn't he? I thought. I mean, um, Dean Ashton's probably fit now. You know, <laughs> three months off. Um, and uh, you mentioned Cresswell earlier, uh, James. I just still think, you know, he, he's a he's a solid pro, but but we, we, you know, we need a better option there, don't we? Really, going forward. I think um, they probably need to rebuild the whole back four. I mean, if, if they can't yeah. keep Ngakia, which it seems like they're not going to. Uh, I mean, the, the kid Ben Johnson is very highly rated, apparently, but you know he's, he's permanently injured as well, so we've yeah, not really had much chance to see him. I think he might only have played twice at Man City away, which, which yeah. seems unfair. Yeah. But um, you know, so who knows what to make? But he, people talk about him, and kind of one of the reasons they're apparently okay about letting Ngakia go is that they've got Johnson, but. Uh, you know, if he's injured all the time, that's no good. So, I, I, yeah, I feel like they probably need to reconstruct the whole back four. You know, Cresswell and O'Bonner are both the wrong side of 30. Zabaleta will retire imminently, yeah. you would have thought. Um, Balbuena has lost form, um, I, I, but age-wise he's OK, but he's lost form. And, and Masuaku, uh, yeah, I'm not... Well, I don't think Masuaku's really a full-back, so I don't think they count. No. It's probably a bit unfair. <laughs> so that feels like quite a big reconstruction job that's needed... And yeah, and, you know, I, I share your concerns. Actually, I, I think we're 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 leaky. And actually, Fabianski had been a bit. He'd rocked a bit, hadn't he, just before the break? Yes. Sort of yeah. The injury now. has affected him, or had affected him. So hopefully, he'll come back as you know more like the Fabianski we know and love. Um, yeah. yeah, I agree with you. I, I do worry a little bit about it. I mean, it's so much different. And Ogbonna is injured, right? I think he's the he's the one injury. Oh, right. oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's what I've heard, but I, I, I might be wrong. Oh, that's no good. No, he's he, sort he, of our most consistent central defender. He, he is, isn't he? You know, a lot is going to depend. Diop, lot on Diop's shoulders, I think. You know, while whoever he's playing with, he's uh, he's got a really man up over the next few games. I feel. Um, uh, yeah, and he can yeah. do it. I mean, I, I rate, I, I like him. You know, but he's he's been. You know, he's had that slightly inconsistent second season, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, we uh, we need uh, Balbuena to sort of uh, 
sort of get his boots on then if we, if 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 Ogbonna really is injured. Yeah, you know. well, you know, it bothers me a bit, <clears throat> and there's not much else, is there? You know, we're we we we're, as you say, James, top heavy in both in terms of sort of quality and numbers, really. Um, you do worry about it if we a couple of key injuries at the back again, and you know, it doesn't matter what happens up front. I think we'll be struggling. No. Or, or even, or even to be honest, if, even if just a couple of players need to be quarantined, right? I mean, I think that's the other thing. Yeah. I remember you mentioned that, but um, yeah. I think I'm right in saying Norwich have got one or two players in quarantine, and um, yeah. you know, you do you do wonder about that, don't you? As it as it progresses, um, yes, yes. And yeah. a team, you know, if you get like six of your players needing to be quarantined, I mean, one of the reasons actually I was somewhat surprised that the, the teams came back at all was because of that, because. You know, and, and oddly enough, the Tethers thing is kind of the precedent, right? I mean, West Ham were sued on the grounds of, you know, what might not have happened or what might have happened if a certain player hadn't played. Um, you know, so that, that precedent to me seems to be there where a team could say, well, if we had these five or six players available to us, um, you know, we, we wouldn't... Um, yeah. We wouldn't have got relegated or whatever. So, and I, and I get it. I mean, they have to play basically because they can't afford to give back seven hundred and fifty million of TV money. So, you know, I understand it. But um, <clears throat> that side of things will be very interesting because if if you do get a team in that situation and you catch them on the right day, that might be completely pivotal for the yeah. relegation battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, what in how what in general terms do we think uh, is going to happen? <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, I'm so. You know, as I say, it, it, it's actually you know on paper this huge sort of enforced break, and then everything starting again for a kind of nine-game concentrated sort of tournament with 20 teams in it playing nine times is actually quite exciting. Unfortunately, it's going to unf- unfold in a very unexciting way. Um, I wonder if you know. I wonder if we are a team that's kind of up for that sort of challenge. I, I would have said you know, no, before we got Bowen and Suchek in. I think, you know, there's only a certain amount that Mark Noble can kind of beat his chest and throw things yeah. around in the dressing room. You know, I, I don't think there are actually many um, big personalities in the side. But a few people will have grown in confidence. Four nows, for example, you know. Yeah. Um, the optimistic part of, me, part of me thinks that because we have sort of underachieved this season and they... They must know that potentially they're a much better team than they. They, they are a top half team on on their day, aren't they? When they, yeah. When they, you know, that's where that's where they should be. Yeah. Some, somewhere eighth to tenth, it should is is probably on 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 terms in terms of the quality of the squad and and its ability. So, you you you'd hope that actually we might be the you know that that sort of slight surprise package as it. Yeah, and, and and we also have a new manager, and I think you know Moyes. The you know one thing about him is that he does get down and dirty and goes out on the training ground. You know, the first time he came um, after Billich, you know, he's out on the training ground, you know, telling um, Obiang, you know, how to trap and turn with the ball, and sort of getting involved, basically giving like fundamental football coaching. And these videos from Rush Green of people, you know, wearing masks and washing their hands, are, 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 you know, he's out there, kind of like you know, goading them on and sort of trying to sort of chivvy them and give them confidence. And I think he is a sort of, um, you know, he's he's a sort of old-fashioned manager and he likes to go out with a tracksuit and get involved. And so hopefully he'll, you know, there will be a spirit amongst them that, that they feel yeah. that they can I, get. Some- I think Noble's a factor in that. I think Noble will fire people up. I think he will 
you know, make sure they fully understand how important it is to beat Spurs, you know, and that, that kind yeah. of thing. But I think that, that might matter in this climate. Yeah. Having those players, like someone like Snodgrass, you know, who, who uh, you feel he would be the most competitive person in any kind of game or pastime you happen to take part in with him. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we should probably uh, wrap this up. I know there are other podcasts waiting to record after us. Um, so uh, we are now returning to our kind of traditional um, uh, predictions. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. Got uh, it. <laughs> yeah, and it's just it's sort of how long is a piece of string, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it, is. it is at our place, uh, although that's no particular advantage. You know, I mean, the... Uh, in terms of that other game, as you say, James, it, it, we, we were actually going to be playing Wolves at a really good time, but that's now changed. However, they are, you know, probably pretty comfortable in the table, you know. So I'm, I'm not a huge believer in this sort of nothing to play for uh, theory, but I sort of think we want it a bit more than them. We're in our home stadium, you know. Uh, there were these um, warm-up games, weren't there? We played Palace, didn't we? We beat them 2-1. Yeah, there was one against QPR as well. Is there? Yeah, yeah. I didn't really haven't really heard anything about. It. I've only heard the score of the Palace. No, you know anything about them? But uh, you know, we we won those sort of. You know, uh, we've sort of looks like we might have remembered how to play football. Yeah. What do you what do you think, Jim? Um, I'm going to go for my safe one-one. One all, James. Uh... So I was happy before this. This was like Schrodinger's football season for me. We were top and bottom at the same time. Nothing was happening. I was delighted with that. I feel mm-hmm. horrible about this now. Um, yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, would you, I'll say two all then. Two all. Two all. Yeah. All right. I'm going to say two one to us. Two one, two one. Uh, yeah. So, um, yes, well, interesting. Uh, um, I, I haven't got Sky. I don't know how I'm going to watch it. I have to find some kind of dodgy, dodgy stream, live stream, I guess. Um, well, that's it. Uh, that's it from this week's Stop Hammer Time. Uh, my name has been Phil Whelans. Uh, with me this week have been Jim Grant. Cheerio. And James Cairns. Thanks for having me, Phil. Come on, you irons. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at westhampodcast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.